0: to the preaching ministry of Port St. Lucie Bible Church. We are a Christian church whose goal is to faithfully preach Christ from Scripture so that we might better love and serve Him. We pray that this message from God's Word would engage your mind with the truth and inspire your heart to obey Christ. Here's today's message. Our message this morning is called, Why Me, Lord?, why me? And our scripture reading this morning is taken from First Peter chapter four verse twelve through nineteen. Bear in mind what the message is going to be. Why me? In First Peter chapter four and verse twelve he said, Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you. But rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings, and when His glory is revealed, you may be glad with exceeding joy. If you are reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you. For the Spirit of God and the Spirit of glory and of God rest upon you on their part he is blasphemed but on your part he is glorified but let none of you suffer as a murderer a thief an evil doer or as a busybody in other people's matters yet if anyone suffers as a christian let him not be ashamed but let him glorify god in this matter for the time has come for judgment to begin at the house of God. And if it begins with us first, what will be the end of those who do not obey the gospel of Christ? If the righteous now, he says in verse 18, if the righteous are scarcely saved, where would the ungodly and the sinner appear? Therefore, let those who suffer according to the will of God, commit their souls to Him in doing good, as if to a faithful Creator. This morning, as we pray, I want to give thanks for John Sanford. We prayed for John last week, and there he is in church this morning. Praise God for that. Also remember this morning, uh, Faye Ritchie, Faye, who is so faithful, and uh, she had a fall, thought maybe something was broken. Am I right? It was not broken. But is she still in the hospital? No. She's home. Great. Faye's home. Gigi was sick all week last week, so we'll remember her. And so let's pray this morning. Father, we thank you this morning for your great grace for your mercy your peace in our lives we thank you that you hear and answer prayer and as as we come to this time of prayer for those who are in need for our sisters Faye and for Gigi and for others who are sick uh, for this whole pandemic thing of COVID all those who have gone through that all those who may be suffering today and those who have lost loved ones to it Uh, lord we just pray that you keep your hand on them and bless them today lord we pray for our service now and we pray for everything that's said and done the songs the reading of your word the speaking and everything that we do would bring honor and glory to you today in jesus name amen this morning the message being why me lord why am i having to go through what i'm having to go through and our text this morning we were just in first peter 4 but now we're moving to first peter 5 and first peter 5 in verse 6 and that's our scripture reading Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your cares upon him, for he cares for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him, steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world but may the God of all grace who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus after you have suffered a while perfect establish strengthen and settle you I know that last verse is your new favorite verse right? Because it says after you have suffered a while, uh, I I now can look back at that verse and say that God has told us in all these verses that I just read that sufferings and troubles and trials and things of that nature are going to come to each one of us. And during these times um, that we apparently have to suffer for a while. Uh, Sometimes we blame it on Satan. Uh, This is all the devil. He's trying to get us. He's working in our lives. We've said that in our house. It's just the devil trying to get us. And other times, uh, we cry out and say, maybe just inside of ourselves, Lord, why does this have to be happening to me? Sometimes we just say, why now? Like, we're going to let it happen later. You know, could you just put it off? No, Uh, we're suffering through some trials and things. And we even suffer through what we call tribulations. I have a, I looked that up. We've been talking about tribulation lately. And now I'm not talking about the tribulation as in, revelations I'm talking about tribulations as things that happen to us and I looked it up in a dictionary and it says afflictions that might be sickness right afflictions hardships well that's not too descriptive I mean a lot of things are hard distress well that's sort of your reaction to what's happening you're distressed by it. And adversity, it means that you're being reversed. You know, what you want is happening a different way or, or against what you thought it would. But really today as we look at, uh, if you hear me say the word tribulation, here's what my meaning is for today. Grievous trouble, tribulation severe trials or sufferings a little stronger right and that's what we're looking at today and so uh, remember that our scripture reading in first peter 4 12 tells us that the fiery trials we go through they're not some strange thing that nobody else has ever suffered but they're common to others and other people have suffered through the same thing Uh, you know i i think when i was drafted to go into the military and i ended up having to go to vietnam that's one of the first things and i can still remember it i said to myself you know what other guys have had to do this i'm not the only one look around There's all these guys are here with me. They're having to go through it. Others have gone through it. My older brothers had went through it. And I said to myself, maybe I can get through it. Because I could see others had survived it. Notice that in uh, in our Scripture reading when he says in chapter 5 there in verse 6 as we started to read, he says, Therefore... Now, when you read therefore in Scripture, you want to see what's it there for? Huh? What's it there for? What does he mean, therefore? Why does he start out a sentence with that? Well, therefore means since we have already learned some things or some things that have been said to us before or preceded this, we need to look backwards and see what he's talking about. Well, he's talking about what we read before, in chapter four and verse twelve, where he said, "Think, think not that these uh, trials, fiery trials, which are to try you, which they're there to see what you do, they're there to try you, and do you have faith, and do you trust God to get you through these things as through." Some strange, as though some strange things happen to you. And then he tells us how we are to react. Others have already done it. Maybe I can do it. But ask yourself this. Are we promised as Christians? Here's really part of the question of why me, Lord, is are we promised a life in Christ free from pain, our suffering, our trials, our sickness, our persecution, or even tribulation. Scripture says that in this life, we will suffer tribulations. And that's the meaning that I read to you. Grievous troubles, severe trials, our sufferings. So if we believe the word of God we believe that this happens to other people and when it happens to us it is a trial we're being tried to see how we react so what does he tell us to do about it in our text he says this in verse 6 of chapter 5 he says therefore since you're going to go through these trials here's what I want you to do to get through Humble yourselves. Now what does that mean? Don't puff up and say this shouldn't be happening to me. Something's wrong here. God, you shouldn't have let this happen. Humble yourself. Search out in the Scriptures and in maybe in your life, why is this happening to me? Maybe you could find the answer yourself. But here's how you should react. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that He may exalt you in due time. He says, In due time, I'm going to bring you back out of it. That's what He's telling you. Casting all your cares on Him. Have you done that when you're in a trial? Casting all your cares means prayer, going to Him and showing your dependency. As you humble yourself before the Lord. That you're depending on him. To get you through this time. Then he says. Because he says. Cast all your cares on him. Because he cares for you. Don't get confused. That God just doesn't like me very much. And he's just punishing me. So. So therefore then he says be sober be vigilant be sober and vigilant means that you've casted your cares on him if you're going to be sober be a serious christian don't just be a surface christian Be a serious Christian, a sober Christian who wants to look into these things. And one of the questions you need to ask is, Lord, is there some evil, wicked thing living inside of me that you want to change, that you want to correct? Because we're going to find out later that it's not punishment that God meets out to his people he meets out correction. That's what we get. Be vigilant for and consider the pitfalls of sin. Why is that? James chapter 1 says this. James 1, 13 and 14. Find it here in a second. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. A lot of things are not coming from God. They're coming from either inside of you or the temptations of the world and Satan. But he says in verse 14, But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires yours might say lust and enticed so you're drawn away and enticed Satan holds something out in front of you you keep looking at it and you go I think I'll just try a little bit of that so we're drawn away by our own lust and yes Satan is at work now people still, they do suffer in life and and they do ask why. And if you're trying to help one of these people, it'd be helpful if you had some answers. So, let's, let's look a little bit at what things happen here that cause people to be in great distress and so forth. In the lost people... They suffer because they have no real moral or spiritual compass. That's that thing where he says, everyone does what's right in their own eyes. That's what the world's doing right now. Everybody says there's no right, no wrong. It's just what you want to do. And uh, you've got your own morality and your own compass uh, to direct you what to do and what not to do. But that's not what God's told us. Uh, Here's Some of these people who do what's right in your own eyes, I got to thinking about that and I thought, I've known people like this. Maybe you have too. Maybe you've met them at work. They come to work, and they got a story that goes kind of like this. You've been off for two days. We haven't even seen you for two days. What happened? Well, you won't believe what happened to me. You just won't believe it. Uh, I've been off for two days, but see, the other night, I, I went out drinking with some friends. And uh, it was about, I think it was about 2.30 in the morning when I decided that I better go home because I'd spent my rent money. And so nobody wanted to take me home, so I had to drive my own car because I'd have to have it to get to work. So I got in my car, and I was driving down the street, and and somehow I ran into a parked car and a utility pole. And these wires came down, and they started to fire, and it burned down a guy's garage. And then uh, I realized that when the policeman asked for my insurance, I would forgot to pay it. And and then actually he told me that they wanted me to pay for this power pole thing. Can you believe that? They wanted me to pay for it. It was an accident. I didn't mean for it to happen. I thought they just replaced their own power poles, but it was about $2,000 for a pole. I can't believe that these things are happening to me self-inflicted pain right it's just self-inflicted but the world doesn't see that they think somebody's doing something to them and I know folks just like that but if we'll be honest as Christians some of the pain in our lives is just a result of poor judgment and decisions With no regard for the will of God, no prayer, no wisdom, no discernment, just impulse decisions. Have you ever made one? I know you have. Many have searched for the answer to our question today of why me, Lord. One person, a man named Harold Kushner. He was a rabbi. And he had a situation where he had experienced the loss of a child to sickness. So Rabbi Kushner decides he'll try to find out why bad things happen to good people. Have you ever heard that said before? It's a book that he wrote. And so he, he wanted to find that out. Evidently, he influenced a lot of people because it was a big seller book. Not too awful long ago. This is not years and years ago. So he has this book, Why Bad Things Happen to Good People. And he argues for something called theistic finite It's hard for me to even say that. <laughs> Can't get wrapped around it theistic finiteism. let's break it down his premise is theistic is one god finite is with limits or bounds god has these limits and these boundaries there's only so much he can do and that's why he that's what he came up with um he proposes a finite solution to the problem of evil. That's why there's evil in the world. Because God can only do so much. And he says that God is benevolent. He's a nice guy. You know, he'd like to help you. God is benevolent, but not all-powerful in our lives. This puts Satan in charge of many portions of our life. That's his premise. The book is listed as nonfiction, and I'd like to call somebody up and see if I could get it changed to fiction, because that's what it is. That's just fiction. This is a part of the basic teaching of the prosperity gospel. This same teaching. It says God is waiting on us for permission to act. We must say or do certain things to allow Him to use His power for our benefit. Anybody ever heard that? Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of things that are taught like that today. That God, you have the power, you have to unleash God and allow Him to do things in your life. So in the midst of this confusion we continually hear questions like this. And believe me, I've heard every one of these Um, on the fire department as a EMT going to car wrecks and things, I've overheard this, all these questions. If God is love, why does he let us suffer? If God is good and we are his, why not let only good things happen to us? We could just Everything could just be good, couldn't it? Where is God when bad things happen? You Ever heard people say that? Where was God? Why did he let this happen to my life? Does God like to punish us? Boy, there's a basic question. And there's some people believe that. They, they believe that he's sitting up there just waiting to smack you when you do something wrong. And so everything you do must be a result of you, you did something wrong if you get punished. Well, if you remember, you learned that at your mother's knee. All of us were taught that if you do good, you get rewarded, right? If you do bad, you get punished. You wait till your dad gets home and I tell him what you did. Punishment was going to come. Why? Because your your actions, what you did was wrong or bad. Well, a lot of of things there that could be happening. There's There's the premise for his book that God just can only do so much for you. And the other one that we were raised with Do good, get rewards. Do bad, get punished. Can we get some help from the Scriptures? God's Word. And probably the best example of this type of suffering that we could come up with, and you scared me, Mike. I thought you were going to steal my thunder in Sunday school this morning. The book of Job. Look at Job and Job's life. Um, The book of Job, and we're going to go to and read uh, Job chapter 1 and verse 6 here in a second. The book of Job is called Wisdom Literature. It's along with Ecclesiastes, which our pastor has been preaching, and Proverbs, and I, I had that in the Sunday school hour a few months back. Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and Job are all what's called wisdom literature. God's revelation, uh, relationship with man. How is God related to man and the activities of man? So let's go back there to Job, one of the oldest books in the Bible. And Job chapter 6, and we read this. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord. And Satan also came among them. And the Lord said to Satan, "Where, <clears throat> From where do you come? And Satan answered the Lord and said, From to and fro on the earth, and from walking back and forth in it. Sound like something we read a while ago? To and fro like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Same thing. Then the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? Now listen to what he says about Job. That there is none like him on the earth. A blameless and upright man who fears God and shuns evil. Well, there goes one of our theories that it's all about do good or do bad. Do good and get rewarded or do bad and get punished. It can't be that because did you hear what he said about Job? Was there anything wrong with Job? No. He said he was perfect. There's none like him. He fears God. So kind of this, the good and bad theory for God goes out the window. That's not how he deals with us. And Satan answered the Lord and said, Does Job fear God for nothing? In other words, he doesn't have anything to fear you for. Everything's going great for Job. And he said, You have a hedge. Have you not made a hedge around him? Around his household? Around all that he has? On every side? And you bless the work of his hands? And his possessions have increased? And he says, But now... Stretch out your hand and touch all that he has, and he will surely curse you to your face. What a challenge. He throws down the gauntlet and says, go ahead and test him a little bit. Take away some of your protection and let things happen to him. Now notice, God doesn't do anything to Job. God allows Satan to do certain things. And the Lord said to Satan, Behold, all that he has is in your power. All the things that he possesses, all that he has is in your hand. It's in your power. Only do not lay a hand on his person. So Satan went out from the presence of God. Sorry, Mr. Kushner. We just debunked your theory that God is not all powerful, and that's why Satan's getting away with everything. Who had the power in that discussion? God did. Who allowed certain things to happen, but only so much? God did. So much for theistic finiteism. It's heresy. Don't buy the book, you'll be wasting your money. If somebody gives it to you don't bother to read it so however there still remains a a question in this whole story about Job and why me Lord Job could still be asking that question after we see how this got set up so in Job chapter 29 you turn over if you're there in Job. Turn over in verse 29 and we're going to start at verse 7. Why did God allow even this thing to happen to Job? Now here's what Job has to say because all through the rest of the book till we get to verse chapter 29, his friends and even his family Everybody he knew said, well, it must be the good and bad thing. You must have done something. Maybe you can't remember what it is. But you need to think hard and see what you've done. Because the things that are happening to you, they don't happen to good people that love the Lord and he loves them. It must be something bad that you have done. Uh, in the in the Jewish community, this was common. If somebody was born with a club foot, couldn't speak, had some malady, uh, the people would say, "Who did sin? This guy, or his parents?" They'd even say, "There had to be somebody sinned, or God wouldn't have let that happen. It's got to be somebody did something bad." and that's why this is happening so let's try to see what is happening to job job here in 29 and verse 7 at at the top of this in my bible it says the greatness of job's past that's the heading how great was job and job's thinking back and he's thinking about how things used to be and how wonderful everything was before this happened to him. Before he lost his family and his possessions and everything was going downhill. And so everybody's trying to figure out why. And Job talks about the old days and he says this in verse 7. When I went out to the gate by the city, when I took my seat in the open square, the young men saw me and hid. The aged and the aged rose and stood. When I showed up, I was Job, and people knew who I was. And put their hands on their mouths. The voice of nobles was hushed, and their tongue stuck to the roof of their mouth. When the ear heard, then it blessed me. And when the eye saw, then it approved me, because I delivered the poor and cried out, the fatherless The Fatherless and the one who has no helper. The blessing of a perishing man came upon me, and I caused the widow's heart to sing for joy. I put on righteousness and it clothed me. My justice was like a robe and a turban. I was eyes to the blind, and I was feet to the lean to the lame and I was father to the poor and I stretched out the case that I did not know I broke the fangs of the wicked and plucked the victim from his teeth then I said I shall die in my nest and multiply my days as the sand are you hearing anything there that might need a little bit of correction yeah yeah What's happening here with Job is um, he has a case of what I'll call spiritual haughtiness. He's just a little haughty. My mom might say he's a little too big for his britches. And God takes him to task over it. After he has this, after he proclaims himself who he was, Then he has a discussion with god where god says something that sounds quite a bit like who do you think you are what have you ever done did you create the worlds did you hang the stars did you do anything that i did what that's telling us is that job should have been giving the glory that he was receiving should have been directed to god But instead, Job thought he was a big shot, spiritually. He could tell everybody what they needed to know and tell them how to live. You know, we as leaders in the church, we need to beware. We need to make sure that as we try to lead other people, that we don't get to the point where we think well you know only we have wisdom and only we have discernment and only we know the will of God it's a great thing to help someone to witness to someone to try to help them in their time of trouble but we need to do it with humility where we direct them to God and when he brings them out of their troubles God gets the glory not me don't come back and say what you told me man that straightened me right out and everything's wonderful now if it did it was God that did it God sent you to the right person to help you in chapter 42 if you're in Job flip on back to 42 And after all this discussion that he had with the Lord, he comes to a conclusion about himself now. And notice what he says in verse 42. He has a big discussion about all the things that he thought he knew. And God questioned him and said, So who do you think you are? What is it that you know? I'm going to question you and see how much you really know. Job fell short. And he says here in chapter 42 and verse 5, he says, I have heard of you by the hearing of the ear. I heard of you. I heard about you. But now my eyes see you. Therefore, I abhor myself and I repent in dust and ashes i hope you see god i hope you see god for who he is i hope you see him in the scripture i hope you see him in the lives of others in this church i hope you don't just hear about god i hope it's not just an ear thing but i hope it comes down and gets into your heart And you begin to realize who God really is and who you really are. And you can say with Job, I see you now with my eyes. My eyes see you. Therefore, since I can see God for who he really is, I abhor myself. No more bragging. No more talking about everything he'd done. He abhorred himself and he repented He said, I repent in dust and ashes. So at the end, God restores Job. Gives him back everything that he had and more. Here's what Job had. He had seven sons, three daughters, 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels, 2,000 oxes, 1,000 donkeys. And he lived 140 years. And he saw four generations of his kids. This is the guy that went through the misery. He did this. This is not just a story. This is not just a little story that we read in the Bible. You know, it sounds good and we're supposed to use it like an object lesson. This is something that really happened. God doesn't put these things in Scripture just for a good read. They're here for our instruction. As we look, look at his life, we need to look at our lives. Are we giving God the glory? Are we saying that, are we telling people that he's the one that supplies everything that I have and I'm totally dependent on him? Carolyn's not in here. She told me when I was going to preach, John said, Are you ready? And Carolyn said, don't tell stories. You always tell stories. So I'm going to tell you a story. In 1983, I was about 10 years into a career in the fire service. In other words, I was a firefighter. And I was an engineer. I'd been a starting guy just a what they call a pipeman where i worked a beginner then i was an engineer i'd passed the test to run that big truck with all those dials on it and everything and i drove everybody to the fire and things were going great we just we were on autopilot if you know what i mean have you ever felt that it's like everything's so great i don't need anything i'm just kind of drifting from one day to the next and I'm expecting one day to be like the other one was and I'm expecting to get that pay and I'm expecting all these things to happen and I've got vacation planned and all that kind of stuff and at that time we built a brand new home first brand new home we ever had we had it built had a new car, had a new truck had a camper, had a boat had all those trappings all that stuff that shows that you're successful and one day on the fire department for lack of a better word I broke my neck I ruptured two vertebrae in my neck and it was total it just fell out of the sky and there it was do you think I was saying why me Lord well I thought that a lot I went along for about a year, and they paid us our full pay because it happened on the job. But after a year, they said, you got to do something else. The rules are, we're done paying you your full pay. So I had to go on what's called a disability pension. So I make it about, back in those days, $1,200 a month. It was either 1100 or $1,200 a month. Think about that a second. So how long did this go on? Three and a half years, two surgeries. I had one surgery, it partially fixed me, but I, was still, I couldn't hold things in my hand. They just fell out of my hand. Some days I, I couldn't hardly walk. When it first happened, my arm was curled up and my hand was like this. I sat like for months eating pain pills. I, I had went, in my mind, I had went from what I'll call, I went from a hero to a zero. That's where I was. I, I was nowhere. I couldn't provide for my family. I couldn't do anything. I could barely get around. So, in the middle of the surgeries and everything one day, I'm sitting in a room all by myself and I'm praying to God. I've got some scriptures out that say God loves you. God wants the best for you. All those things, you know. Remember those questions? Why God? Why does you let this happen? And that's all running through my head. Full of questions about God's love and His care for me. And, and I broke down in prayer, finally. I let go of pride. I let go of everything. Remember, humble yourself. Well, I got humbled real good. All at once, I, I just let go. I just couldn't even control myself. I was bawling tears, and I was saying, God, what are you doing? What, what's happening here? Do you not love me? Do you love me? What, you know, I'm not getting it. That's what I was saying. I, I don't get it. I don't know what this is all about. And then the answer came. I thought I was doing everything. I thought I made everything happen. I thought I got this wonderful job. I must have went down there and they looked at me and they said, man, we've been waiting for you. You're, You're the greatest guy we've ever seen for this job. No. I never dreamed in my life that I would be on a fire department. When I was a kid, I didn't have a little red helmet and run around and think I was going to be a fireman. God just provided that job. A friend of mine said, go take that test. They're going to hire somebody. And I did. And once I got there, it was me. That job was absolutely me. I loved it, every minute of it. But here I am in the middle of it, broken. And as I broke down there and cried and emptied myself, I had a, what I will call, a time of brokenness. Where you're just kind of like broken, that's it. Whatever happens, God, i got to depend on you now. That's where He brought me. I, I couldn't do anything myself. So I thought of all the things that I had thought about myself, thought what i was doing because i tried to run like i said on autopilot it was like no problem god i got this today you know if things are too good you don't need god you begin to forget about god oh yeah you pray a little blessing over the food and things like that but you can get to a point where You're not dependent on God at all. You just think you're making everything happen. And that's where I was. And God showed it to me. So what happened? John 15 5 says, Without me, you can do nothing. Nothing. And I read that scripture and I thought, you know what? he's right right now I can't do anything I've tried to help myself I can't do it and I began to depend on God I threw myself on his mercy and I said God whatever this is wherever you're taking me just take me by your hand and take care of me and then I began to realize oh yeah I just had a little bitty pension I lost everything all those trappings wasn't long till we had to sell the new house we sold her car we sold my truck we sold my camper we sold my bass boat. you know all that stuff that you have and then i realized you know what we haven't missed a meal god has taken care of us we've got a roof over our heads one pastor even offered us a house that he, he had a second house that he moved out of he said you can move in there And as God began to restore me, I began to see what he was trying to teach me. That regardless of how I was living, how high on the hog, he was taking care of me, even then, when I had nothing. You can't get too self-sufficient and get to the point where you don't need God. After two surgeries and and three-and-a-half years, I went to the doctor one day and said, can I go back to work? And he said, well, let me check out a little bit, squeeze my hand, do this and that, how they do. And he said, hey, Martha, write this guy a slip to go back to work. And I thought, oh boy, they're going to love this, but I'm going to take it back and see what they do. Well, it took me about two-and-a-half months to get through the red tape you know what they said to me nobody comes back from disability that never happens I said well it's happening now they had to give my job back a couple months later the captain's exam came up and I took it and I passed it number one on the list I was a captain and God restored and restored I stayed there 13 years after that and I ended up being a chief officer in the fire department to the glory of God to the glory of God God did that and so I never forgot though that I needed to depend on him in everything now in retirement God just takes care of me Every day, He takes care of me. So I want to leave you with another question. I've got a question for you to research for me. That's your homework. A new question. Are you ready for it? Okay. Here it is. Why me, Lord? Why did you save me? Pretty good question, don't you think? Have you ever thought about it? Why me? Out of all the thousands and millions of people all over the world and God saved me, I'd like to find out why did He save me? And I guarantee you, if you will seriously research that question, have that in your mind, look into Scriptures and try to figure out why did God save you you will be greatly blessed. Trust me. As we close, let's look in Ephesians chapter 2. Good place to start because Ephesians, uh, the whole book of Ephesians, is so rich in God's grace and His mercy and His calling in salvation. In Ephesians chapter 2, And verse 1, it says this, You has He made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. Listen, in the spiritual realm, before you were saved, you were dead. Dead between the ears. Dead spiritually. You couldn't wiggle your finger in the spiritual realm. Scripture says the natural man, that's the unsaved man, receive not the things of the Spirit of God, neither can he know them. You can't even know them because they're spiritually discerned. Remember that about the lost. They can't know and they don't know. And you may be the one who brings it before them and God takes it and uses it on them. He has made you alive who were dead in trespasses and sins in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air. That means you were led around the nose by Satan. The Spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all, all of us, once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, Fulfilling the desires of the flesh and the mind, and we're by nature, remember that natural man? We're by nature the children of wrath, just as others. Don't forget where you came from. You'll have a lot of trouble appreciating a lost person's situation if you think you're so spiritual that you're going to serve that up to them. And what's the matter with them that they don't understand it? We have to remember where we came from. So we are the object of His grace. Here's something else. You'll find out through that, reading that Scripture, you find out that nothing, nothing qualifies you to be the object of His saving grace. There was nothing good in you. There was nothing why he should save you. He just came to you by his Spirit and called you into his realm. Nothing there that you had that was worth saving. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. Did he have a purpose for calling you? In verse 10, he says, For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. That's the new birth, not the old birth when you were born on this world, but the new birth when you were created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. He has something for you to do. And guess what? He had the equipment. He equipped you to do it. Whatever God's calling you to do might be something as simple as the nursery. Sitting in there shaking some babies on your knee. Might be a missionary. Might be whatever. I I don't know what it might be. But God called you to good works. Whether it be witnessing, just living a Christian life before your family, whatever it is, God has called you to good works and then He equipped you to do the work. In Ephesians two seven, He also had an eternal purpose. And I, I love this scripture. I've read it over and over because it's kind of the only thing I can figure out why He saved us. In verse 7, He says, that in the ages to come, He might show forth the exceeding riches of His grace in His kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. One day we're going to be there with Him. We'll see Him face to face. What a day. What a thing. God had purpose for you, and He has purpose for you in eternity. We're going to fellowship with Him forever. My last scripture is Romans 8.18. I'll just read it to you. You don't have to look it up. Romans 8.18 says this, For I consider that the suffering of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Let's pray. Father, we thank you today for your great grace, for your love and your care. And Lord, we even thank you for the way that you correct us, the way that you show us things that can be wrong in our lives. And Lord, as your scripture says, search me and know my heart, see if there be some wicked way in me. And make me aware of it, Lord. And make me ready to humble myself. Make me ready to cast my cares on You. For You care for me. And Father, help us to go away from here today and live our lives as a light in our community. Pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.